2: Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
3: I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. A president's legacy is shaped in part by images. So our great-grandchildren's idea of President Obama will be shaped by the eye of Pete Souza. For a certain set of Americans, it's easy to conjure his most famous shots. Sasha hiding behind the couch in the Oval Office, the president running down a bright East Wing hallway with Beau as a puppy, the Situation Room during the killing of Osama bin Laden. Pete Souza has had a resurgence of fame thanks to his funny, sad, and undeniably pointed Instagram posts. He juxtaposes shots of the ex-president with the latest Trump news. When the Muslim ban was announced, Sousa posted a picture of Obama laughing with a young girl in a hijab. When Trump refused to shake Angela Merkel's hand, Obama showed up on Sousa's Instagram feed, embracing her. These and other posts have earned Sousa a huge fan base, 2 million followers, and one of the best-selling photography books of all time. But despite his association with Obama, his first White House photographer job was with a very different president, Ronald Reagan. We moved to D.C. when? I moved to D.C. in 1983. And Michael Evans was the chief White yes. House photographer then. Yes. And you came on when he was with Reagan, and you were part of a staff of people. Yes. What, in your mind, has changed in terms of people's relationship to a camera now that cameras are ubiquitous and in everybody's pocket?
4: Well, I think what it does is I think every person now thinks that no matter what they're doing, it might appear on the internet somewhere. Maybe they're more suspicious now of, you know, how they act and the gestures they make. But when you were working with that group of people... When I was working with that group of people, by the time I came in during Reagan, um, people were not phased by... Uh, me being in the room taking pictures, people just went about their business. But it was much more cumbersome the
3: process, relatively speaking, back then. You're loading film into a camera. Was lighting an issue? The sensitivity of the lenses.
4: I don't know that it was more cumbersome. Right. Yes, you've got to carry extra rolls of film in your pocket. That may be the only cumbersome the only. part about it. Is you got to load every once in a while. You have you... to
3: light Reagan differently than no, you no, would have no, to no, light no. Obama. and
4: in, in, in both instances, I'm trying to do almost everything in available light and never never doing anything with lighting.
3: Is the first thing you said to yourself when you're in the Oval Office, let's examine the available light situation Of course, <laughs> of course. Do so they have good available light there?
4: They have good available <laughs> light in the Oval Office, but not in like the Situation Room right. or the Roosevelt Room. You know, some of, sometimes some of those rooms are not lit very well. And- Like you know, a submarine. Yeah, and from a photographer's standpoint, it's like, shit, I don't want to be, I don't want to have to spend a lot of time in this room because the lighting sucks but the oval office the other thing that was great about the oval office is the lighting in there would change depending on the time of the year and like for instance when the leaves dropped off the trees and and the sun was lower on the horizon you'd get this incredible light at different hours of the day like a magic hour in the Yeah day, and and so. and it would it would only be there during you know like December January February and then the sun gets higher and you're not getting any any direct light into the Oval Office, then it becomes more flatter. So I was always l- looking forward to the winter months for the lighting reasons.
3: In your childhood, in your earliest recollections, what was the first time you had your hands on a camera?
4: I did not uh, really take pictures uh, until I was a junior in college. Really? Um, but here's the thing that, you know, you sort of go back to your childhood and you think about things that maybe you did have an interest in, you just didn't even realize it. In 1965, my parents took me and my sister to Washington, D.C., and we did all the tourist stuff. And there was this book called The Living White House that we got, which was like all the rooms in the White House. There are all these color photographs. It was put together by National Geographic. And there are some candid pictures of LBJ in there, I just thought it was the coolest book I'd ever seen. And I used to look at that book all the time. I mean, it's still at my mother's house. And so there was something in the back of my mind that the the whole White House thing really appealed to me. Were you political when you were young? No, not at
3: all. Not at all. You went to BU. I went to BU. You were studying
4: journalism? I was. I wanted to become a sports writer. And then you went to Kansas? Went to Kansas State University for graduate work, because they offered me a teaching assistantship in photography. In general, oh, photography. But it turns out the, the best thing about Kansas State for me was they had a great daily newspaper, a college newspaper, but they behaved as if they were, you know, a real newspaper doing mm. real journalism. So I, I started working for the college newspaper. So the first time you use a camera
3: to take pictures is your junior year of college? Yeah. It's a very quick hop from you picking up the camera for the first time... To you teaching photography. I
4: fooled a lot of people. <laughs> that I, that Tell I, me about that. Well, How'd I mean, you do that? Well, I mean, people think, oh, you graduated from Boston University. You know, that's a that's a big-time school. And, um, you know, they they thought that I knew what I was doing. And I was still learning. But I knew the basics of photography. And so I was teaching a basic photography class at K-State. But when you pick up the camera for the first time at BU, what about it did you say to yourself? I, to me, it was magic. Uh, shooting a roll of film, the whole business of putting, rolling that film up onto the reel in the dark. And as you're shaking the tray, the image starts to appear on the paper. And I was like, this is what I want to do. You're in control from start to finish. You're the only one involved in making the picture, in developing the picture, and then in printing the picture. And what did you like to shoot back then? probably trying to do something with musicians Uh i was not very good at first about photographing people i was very shy and it was being so being shy affected how you fought well it was like sort of like to me it was it was hard to relate to people and explain to them why i wanted to photograph them and i was self-conscious about it and that was the biggest hurdle to cross knowing how to deal with people in a way that they would be comfortable to allow you to be in the room while you're taking photos. Did you
3: identify right away that that was an important component, that you needed to make people feel comfortable to photograph them?
4: I needed to make myself feel comfortable to be there. And the kind of photography that I was doing was not... um, I mean, my guess is when, when you're photographed, it's a photographer that wants to do a portrait of you, and put you in a setting, and there's lights involved sometimes, or they're, they're directing you a little bit. And the photography that I wanted to do was fly-on-the-wall stuff. Right, I which I to-
3: love, which I've tried to turn my portrait photography into that. I say, please yeah. don't make me stand here and find some pose, like you're painting me. I, I would Every time I work with a photographer, I'd say, let's talk, tell me a story about you, or I'll tell you a story about me, and then I'll stop. I have the sense to stop talking but i'm still that
1: pot is the, still
3: simmering yeah. of where we're at in terms of what we're discussing yeah. so i'm distracted from my own self-consciousness i need to take my mind off the fact that we're taking my picture
4: right cuz i and, hate having
3: my picture taken
4: right well, and so do i i mean the uh, you do and, yeah oh yeah i can't st- <laughs> I, I, I don't like i don't like the way i look you know but um, but for me it was it was take what you're saying a step further uh I didn't. I didn't want to do a portrait at all. I wanted to be. I mean, one of the first projects I did when I was just starting out at BU was I. I th- there was this dance class, older people participating in this dance class, and I just kept going back and back every day. I would go there to photograph because I wanted to sort of just like get the essence of what was happening there. Not a wasn't a big subject at the time, but for me, learning how to do photography. This was a good situation to be in where people eventually didn't care that I was there, that I was taking pictures. I could get close to them. I could get whatever angle I wanted. So it was sort of like a learning experience of, you know, just doing fly-on-the-wall pictures.
3: So when you're done in Kansas, where do you go?
4: So I'm done at Kansas State, and I end up working for two small newspapers in Kansas, which was a great training ground. Why'd you stay in Kansas? Because there was a
3: job there for you. You liked Kansas.
4: Mostly because uh, there was a job there. One of my friends used to joke with me, because one of the newspapers I worked for, the Chinook Tribune, had a circulation of 6,000. The town was maybe 15,000. It was an afternoon newspaper. And one of my friends used to joke, if a dog crosses the street in the middle of the day, it might end up on page one. (laughs) Because there was not that much happening. Small town. Small town. But it was a really great training to be to every day have to go out, and you'd have to come up with a page one photo, a sports photo, and a business photo every you, single day. You had to do all I was the <laughs> I was it. <laughs> you were it. I was it, and that uh, is probably the most pressure I ever had in my life to do that every day. Um, but it was just a great training ground because you, you. How? What? What did it force you to develop? It forced you to take the most mundane situation and try to make an interesting photo Mm -hmm. that when it's in print, people are going to look at and want to read the caption and maybe learn something new every day. I can't say that I succeeded every day, but I tried, and it meant a lot to me. So one year of that, then what? And then I went to uh, the Chicago Sun-Times. So I went from a 6,000 circulation (laughs) daily newspaper to 600,000. And... Um, it was one of those, uh, you know, somebody recommended me for the job and I ended up getting it. And what, which, which specific job? Sports? Uh, so general assignment photographer. So I did a lot sports, news, features, whatever. And it was basically taking exactly what I did at the small newspaper in Kansas and trying to apply that to the big city. So you're like a
3: kid in a candy store.
4: Oh my God, it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah like covering big time sports, big time news. You know, there was the mafia was really big then in Chicago and uh that that was a component.
3: Pete, do me a favor. I want you to photograph me on my left side. Okay, that's my <laughs> good side, all right? I don't wanna ask you again, Pete. <laughs> don't take a picture of me on my right side. All right? We have no problem with each other.
4: I gotta I gotta say, you got the Chicago accent down pretty right, good. so sometimes for how long? So sometimes not very long. So uh let's see, I think I went there in December of eighty one and I left in June of '83, because I got this call from uh, Michael Evans. Now,
3: what did Evans explain to you? Did he offer any uh, insights into why he called you? He knew your work. Had you had you won awards for your photography?
4: He happened to have a photo editor working for him, White House photo editor, who I knew and had been following my career. And, so they're
3: uh, looking for people they think are hot.
4: They're looking for. They were looking for one person. I sort of fit the bill and. You know, my portfolio then was pretty good. I had won some award in Chicago, like Chicago Photographer of the Year or something like that. So I'd gotten some attention in the industry. Photojournalism is a pretty small community. You sort of know everybody. And based on the photo editor's recommendation, Michael brought me in for an interview and, you know, offered me the job. Presidents from Johnson
3: on... Chose their own photographer. That's did you have happened. to meet Reagan in order to get past muster no, with him? I
4: did no. not. It was Michael. It was Michael Evans. made the call. Right. I think I met Mike Deaver, who was then deputy chief of staff and was sort of overseeing the advance office and the press office and stuff like that. So I think I did talk to Deaver beforehand, but it was up. Michael made the decision.
3: Were there ever moments of kind of wistfulness where you missed the range of what you got to do before? Basketball and mafioso and everything. You got to do pretty much what you wanted. Did you feel a little bit after some amount of time, there was a limitation to it, or you never felt that way when you were in the White House? I
4: was conflicted. I mean, I was even conflicted when they offered me the job. Because I was thinking, well, do I really want to do this? I was not a fan of Reagan's. Things were going really well in Chicago. So it was a tough decision to make. But what, I helped think you, what helped you make that decision? What helped me make the decision was what what you, you always hope is that you're making pictures for history. And if you're in the White House... But there there were times when I really wished I was, you know, back Elsewhere, in Chicago. Right. Yeah.
3: We're shooting Reagan different from Obama beyond their personality. I mean, the one guy's a movie star.
4: Yeah, Briefly. I mean, the, every once in a while with Reagan... He'd be in the middle of the meeting, and he'd he'd like see you taking pictures and like wink at you or something like that. (laughs) And with President Obama, it was like he would forget that I'd be even be in the room because it was so. But but it was a different circumstance in that I didn't have any kind of relationship with Reagan coming in. I didn't know him at all. I'd never met him, Uh, and I didn't feel like I was totally immersed in the Reagan White House the way I was with. President Obama. Why? Why? Because um, I knew President Obama for four years before he was elected to the presidency. I already had established a, a professional relationship with him. Plus, I came in as the you know the chief photographer. So this was going to. I was all in with him.
3: Right. For forgetting about you know your feelings about the person politically. I don't want to do the podcast with somebody who I don't have some degree of. Either admiration for or interest in.
4: Yeah, um, I respected uh, Ronald Reagan, and I think he respected the office of the presidency. And I think because of that, I was able to say to myself, "This it's worthy for me to be here." Right.
3: Were there ever any episodes that were difficult for you?
4: I mean, um, I, I always looked at it as I wasn't trying to glorify him. I was trying to, you know, accurately, honestly portray what was happening. Right. Um, but, you know, certainly during the Iran-Contra affair, there were a lot of <laughs> pictures that I made that were um, where he was, you know, definitely down in the dumps and uh, not looking good and sort of agonizing of what he did, what he didn't do. And the the world, you know, your younger listeners won't remember this at all, but back in 1980s, was it 86 or 87? 86. I forget. The, the, the world was this is it was on cable tv on cnn i don't think there was north
3: testified yeah
4: it was a big scandal and i was was gonna
3: be the end for him right
4: and i was on the inside and it was a weird place to be because even though his days were occupied with other issues that were coming up you still have to deal with the economy and and he's having meetings on things that have nothing to do with Ron Contra that's still hanging
3: yeah it's over in the air the,
4: it's in the air every single day
3: yeah. like 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 describe when is the white house photographer
4: welcome and allowed and when is he not i think it differs in every administration let's go back to reagan because i didn't have relationship established with him uh you know i would push for as much access as i could but it but it wasn't the same as with President Obama, at all. I mean, I had total access with President Obama, in a way that I didn't with President Reagan.
3: So Jeff Zelani mentioned to one of my producers that Obama was curious about Reagan and asked you questions about Reagan.
4: Yeah, he knew I had worked for President Reagan. I said to him that I wasn't, didn't have the same kind of access with Reagan as I did with him. And he said, well, what was he like? I said, well, to uh, just be diplomatic about it, he was sort of a big-picture president. And President Obama said, I want to be a big-picture president.
3: Former White House photographer Pete Souza. If you're hungry for more from inside the Obama White House, check out my interview with former Secretary of the Army Eric Fanning.
4: My job is to oversee the Army. The Army budget is over $140 billion a year. Do you think we can still afford to be a global power in the coming years? I think we can, but I think we need to think more creatively about it, as President Obama's been trying to do. There there are limits to what we can spend. And recognizing, as he does, that national security is more than just the military. Uh, It's it's a whole combination of things across the entire federal budget, and there has to be some balance
3: there. The rest of that conversation at heresthething.org. When we return, Pete Souza tells more tales about Obama from inside the White House and beyond, and whether he'd agree to take on the challenge of the Trump White House, political differences aside. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing.
2: Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.
3: I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing, now more with photographer Pete Souza. You first met Obama where?
4: I first met Obama uh, his first day in the U.S. Senate. Uh, Uh, Under uh, what
3: circumstances?
4: uh, So I was working for the Chicago Tribune then. Based in Washington,
3: and he'd been a Chicago politician, and so you covered him.
4: No, because I was in D.C. Oh, okay. But when he's elected to the Senate in in Illinois, and he comes to Washington, then it's on you know my watch to to photograph him. And so we, Jeff Zelony was then a correspondent in the in the Tribune Washington bureau with me. He and I hatched this plan to follow Obama's first year in the Senate. And um, do four big pieces throughout the year and got pretty, really good access to him in the Senate. And just because of that, where you're in there every day, Obama's doing this, he's doing that, this is a, a senator, you sort of get to know the guy a little bit. I met his family. Um, and uh, th- that one year kind of turned into two years because we started, we went to Africa with him in 2006. Again, a senator. Um, and just over time, you sort of get to know the guy. He gets to know you. He sees that you work hard. He sees the way you work, trying not to interfere with what he's doing. Right. So I think he appreciates... He senses that you get it. He's, he senses that I get it. Which and is that, funny,
3: because that's very similar to a set photographer in the movies, where someone is obtrusive, and where someone is kind of... They're kind of groping... You can see them and they're finding the ideal shop they want, you over the person that's in the foreground and the furniture and the painting on the wall, whatever. And I see them moving around, I'd say to them, "We'll stage something for you for the rehearsal, then you have to go, because I only work for one camera at a time. Yeah, I will only perform for the movie camera. And then there were those rare people, like one out of ten. They were ninja. And they would get all these pictures. I didn't even know they were there. Is that kind of how he felt toward you? Yeah, and yeah. I
4: and I and he says that in the introduction. I mean, I I, I like the term ninja. I think maybe that's I start using that because uh, that was my thing. I think I knew how to move around and not be a nuisance. I could go right behind him and show things from his perspective, and it didn't phase him a bit because he just like forgot about me being there. Matter of fact, I got into an argument with him one time. Uh, <laughs> He had this meeting uh, uh, scheduled with uh, Schwarzenegger when he was governor uh, in the Oval Office, and it was, it was scheduled for after lunch, okay? So at lunchtime, when he ate, I'd, I'd always go run down to my office and eat at the same time, so I wouldn't miss anything. So it's lunchtime, I go down to my office, I eat. I come back upstairs, Schwarzenegger's coming out of the Oval Office. They just finished the meeting, and I'm like, what the fuck just happened? So I started like... Did you actually say it that way to the no, president? You say, no, what the no, fuck no, no, happened? no, no, no. I said it to his personal secretary. <laughs> I said, what happened? What the hell just happened? This meeting was supposed to be... Oh, well, he changed it to before lunch. I go, well, why the hell didn't you tell me? By this time, he's like listening to my conversation and he's like, what's the problem here? And I said, sir, Katie forgot to tell me that the meeting with Schwarzenegger was moved before lunch so I didn't get any pictures of it. And he's like, no, you, you were in there taking pictures. I go, sir, no, I was not in there. He goes, yeah, yeah, you were in there taking pictures the whole time. And I was like, <laughs> I was not in there taking pictures the whole time. I was not in there for one second. But he was convinced that I had been in there because he was just so used to me being around, I guess.
3: The president is never coming up to you or his staff is never coming up to you and saying, don't use that, use that, don't use that. That's all up to you?
4: In terms of at the White House.
3: At the White uh, House. At the
4: White House, uh, I I would uh, uh, be the final, like, editor, per se. I had a photo editor that worked with me that would, uh, you know, send me what they determined to be the best picture. But I I would always sign off on every picture before it went out into the public sphere because I was the guy that had the relationship with President Obama and I just— wanted to be, you know, just careful. Um, So it was an
3: understanding, even unspoken, that you weren't going to make him look bad, you were going to make him look good.
4: The, see, I never know what that means, because I think if you look at some of the, a lot of the pictures that we uh, made public, that I don't think they're all about making him look good. I mean, I've got pictures of him learning about the tragedy in Benghazi and Sandy Hook, where he doesn't look good. Right. But I thought they were authentic. Right.
3: Is, is it government property? Yeah. In terms so of So
4: every single picture that I took is now at the National Archives. Uh-huh. We were not allowed to delete a picture. Thank you, Richard Nixon. Because after Watergate in 1974, Congress passed the Presidential Records Act that all this material had to be saved, and including photographs, was one of the—not just the documents, but every photograph had to be saved. So every single photograph— that I made is now at the National Archives.
3: Why do you think you never worked for a White House for, for a president in between? Because I didn't want to. You, you didn't want to. You, you could have,
4: potentially. No, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's... it's The the, the odds of someone uh, getting two calls to go work at the White House as a photographer are pretty slim. They were both accidental uh, in, in a lot of ways. Uh, I. How was it accidental with Obama? Th- I just happened to be... The Chicago Tribune in D.C. When he became senator, right? Th- that's that's what launched me getting into the White
3: House with him. Some presidents, Bush Senior, for example, less photogenic. Uh, do you think that determines what kind of a photographer they
4: had? I, I feel bad for him. Yeah, because you know he's just he doesn't look like a very
3: stiff in front of the camera. Yeah, he's got yeah. the
4: glass, the big glasses. Yeah. Not and, happy being photographed, it seems. No. And his son wasn't like that, though. No, his son. I know forty-three a little bit. Uh, I, I covered his presidency from afar, uh, and he's he's actually a good photographic subject. You know, Bush Bush forty-three. Right. Just because just he's kind of a jokester and, you know, likes to rip people and... Playful. Uh, yeah, playful, and he's a good-looking guy. And, yeah.
3: and I'm wondering what it must have been like for the White House photographer there with, with Clinton. Do, 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 do you think that there's times when you just go away and leave him alone to suffer with what he's going through?
4: I mean, I think this, you know, I, I mentioned before about Iran-Contra. This is Iran-Contra times 10. Yes. And I was... Uh, already working for the Tribune then in, in D.C. And so I would go to these events as a member of the press to cover Bill Clinton. And he was doing something, you know, on the environment or the economy. It was during the impeachment crisis. And all the newspapers, uh, my editors, all they wanted is a certain look from Clinton to go along with today's story. The picture was going to run alongside an impeachment story.
3: Yeah, they wanted a withered.
4: right. And so to be the guy on the inside, oh, I can't imagine what that must have been like.
3: But, but so does the president, are there are there times when they just dismiss you? They say, well, let's not take pictures today or this week. You know, if, if he's really struggling and suffering with something like that, are they allowed to take a pass like that? Or are they it, obligated it, to leave themselves open to that it, every it, day?
4: It is complete. There's no, like, ground rules. There's none. There's no ground rules. It's uh, based on... The photographer's relationship with the president. In either one of the administrations you
3: served, were you asked to step aside for a period of time while they endured something that was bothering them?
4: In Reagan, it was harder to stay in the room. With President Obama, he never wanted to. He faced everything. Out. Yeah.
3: So when Bush Senior comes in, forty-one comes in, you you leave. I leave. Yeah. Where do you go? What are you doing in that period of time?
4: Uh, so for uh, nine years after that, I was a freelance photographer based in D.C. Did some stuff for National Geographic. When Life was a monthly, I did some work for them.
3: What did you enjoy doing? once you had your break from, being in that uh, bubble with those people?
4: Uh, what was I, fun? What was fun was uh, trying to take the fly, you know, the fly on the wall approach to sort of feature photography for National Geographic and um, learning about color and light more. You know, work it back then, and for National Geographic, you had to shoot slide film which was very unforgiving. You had to get the exposure just right. You had to be outside when the light was just right. You wouldn't be outside at this time of the day Mm -hmm. uh, at 2 o'clock or whatever time it is now. You'd want to be outside at like 5.30 or 7 a.m. So learning more about light and color. Um, But freelancing was hard for me because I was not really good at marketing myself. And I had, it was for nine years, it was kind of up and down. I had some real... Highs and some real lows. Lows were, how? Lows
3: where I wasn't getting work. So, being the White House photographer and in, and in, in for the Reagan uh, for Reagan for all those years, that's not a guarantee of some kind of a put for you job was. It's
4: not a guarantee, and and the, the I think when I left uh, the White House under Reagan, it wasn't like I was that well known. I mean, one of the things that happened with President Obama is I, I'm known because of social media.
3: When do you recall social media becomes relevant?
4: Well, what happened was there's been this tradition since the Nixon days that the White House Photography Office blows up uh, pictures, hangs them on the wall of the West Wing, and then you rotate them out. And people were blown away by the pictures that I was choosing to put on the wall because it was the real behind-the-scenes stuff. And the communications people came to me and they go, we need to make these public. We need we need the public to see these Get them out pictures. there, yeah. And I was the holdout. It took me, like, four or five months to, to really get into wanting to do this. And I said to them, well, if this is the way it's going to be, then I need to curate the collection. I don't want the press office looking over my shoulder, looking at every picture on the screen and saying, let's do this one. you got to let the professionals... Because I had a really good photo editor who had been at Time magazine... I said, "You got to let us decide which photos we're going to make public." So that's how it sort of got started. It was the staff coming to me, uh, urging me to make pictures public. um, On at first, we used uh, Flickr, and then Instagram. You know, didn't even exist until. The second year of his uh, presidency. So later on, we started using Instagram, too.
3: What camera did you use when you were shooting Reagan?
4: Nikon FM2. What, ra- what
3: camera did you use with Obama?
4: So with Obama, I used a Canon 5D Mark II.
3: And why did you switch from the one to the other?
4: I looked at all the cameras, and uh, I thought Canon was the quietest. They had a, a, what they called a silent mode. It wasn't totally silent, but it was pretty silent and, and it was, became
3: essential for the work you do it was
4: totally essential yeah. and it was so much quieter than Nikon it was even quieter than the Leica digital cameras um, and so that, that's that's why I chose the Canon
3: when you are doing what you're doing in between the two administrations and did you say to yourself you know why am i going back here to do this again for a second hit of this <laughs> Was it what what did you tell yourself? What was the reasoning to go back after you'd done it for so long with reagan
4: uh well, I think it was because I realized that you know Obama could be a transformational figure in our country. I liked him, I liked uh his policies, and he was a great subject right. um, what made him a great subject I think it's his look you know he's t- tall and thin. But he just had this manner about him with gestures, uh, with n- the presence of the camera not affecting how he behaved. Um, the way I was going to ask
3: you about that. In other words, in the way that it's, do you think that the camera truly captures the person for who they are? Or do you think there are people who are able to even fool a camera and make you think there's something that they're not or obscure something about themselves that they want to obscure that's a, a negative value?
4: People can definitely do that, but people can't do that when they're being photographed every single day, right. 9 to 6 or 9 to 8 or whatever. There's no way you could fool a camera. Long days you shot like that? Long Sh- Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, but, you know, if, if like I was only coming in for an hour a day or something, sure, somebody could put on a show for an hour, but not when <laughs> this guy's around you essentially 24-7. It wasn't really 24-7. It was more like 12, 13,
3: 7. Yeah. That's what strikes me about Obama is that he was a guy who there was a certain kind of integrity to him. Yeah. That's what came through.
4: Well, The most interesting part of my job was that I saw him in all these different compartments of his life. I saw him as a dad. I saw how he behaved with his children. I saw him when he was on the basketball court, and um, I I played uh, cards with him. Most competitive guy I've ever met in my life. (laughs) And and the general public doesn't see that, but I saw that part of him. They, They sort of have glimpses of his family life, but... You know, he loved his daughters. He loves his daughters. And I could see that, you know, all the time. Did you get a
3: sense that he, like other men who've had that job, it was painful for him not to be able to spend as much time with his family as he'd like to?
4: Well, I mean, one rule that everybody at the White House staff knew was that 6.30 or 7 o'clock, he was having dinner with his family. Right. Full stop. Right. Now, there were times where he'd come back down to the Oval, but he was going to have dinner with his family every night. It was actually easier as president than, than as senator. Because as a senator, his family stayed in Chicago. And he'd come to D.C. F- like three or four days a week. I mean, three, yeah, for like Tuesday through Friday morning or something. So there'd be at least three days that he wouldn't see his family. family. Whereas when we were in town, he would see his family every night.
3: With the president we have now, what do you think your life would be like now?
4: Boy I don't know i I, I know one thing is th- under no circumstances would I have stayed on to be White House photographer I, I Who just, is the White House photographer now? It's someone that had uh, been in the Bush administration and had been Laura Bush's photographer for a couple for 43 of years. for 43 right but I like I just I don't think I could bring myself to to be there and do that.
3: Is it a man or a woman? It's a woman and do you know her Yes. Your book, which I have here, Obama, An Intimate Portrait, is is breathtaking. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful book. Because the subject is a very attractive guy in a lot of ways and someone who I support politically, which makes a huge difference. But,
4: but it also appeals to people, I think, because of what we are dealing with now. Yes. Yeah. We look, we're looking back and going, like, wow, the, he
3: the, was Abraham Lincoln compared to what we have now. Yeah. Yeah. What's a picture? Even now you sit and go, that's a damn good picture I took.
4: Well, here's... Here, You know, the goal is to always capture a a photograph, a moment that has mood and emotion, that's composed just right, the lighting's just right, and yet I'm going to tell you there's a picture that only has one of those components, that is one of my favorites, and it's the one on the back cover. Um, It's a young African-American boy, Touching the head of the president as he's he's bent over. Because I think that tells you uh, a lot about how he relates to, um, or, you know, how a young kid relates to him. But also that even as president of the United States, at the behest of a five-year-old, he went ahead and bent over to let this little kid feel his hair. Which I think... uh, the, you pretty know, much
3: tells you everything you need to know yeah yeah, yeah I understand I understand um, well thank you so much for doing this thanks for having me on and I, I, I love your book I think it's absolutely gorgeous and uh, you're right it makes people wistful it's tough yeah because we we certainly wish that we were uh, in a different place than we are now but um, do you get to interact with Obama anymore do you run into him in yeah Indiana?
4: yeah uh, last time I saw him was at uh, the uh, portrait gallery for the unveiling of the two pictures. He and Michelle's uh, portrait. And then I saw him over Christmas. He had a holiday party at his office. Uh, He was wearing a Santa hat. (laughs) Uh, People say, well, how's he doing? And I go, well, the thing that I noticed is it's as if the weight of the world has been lifted from his shoulders. Because for eight years, you're the guy. Everything's coming to your desk. And and despite, you know, you think of him as being relaxed. And, you know, that... That's a big job to have. And I think that he is uh, now enjoying life.
3: Pete Souza's book of photos and stories from his years in the White House with President Obama is called Obama, an Intimate Portrait. It's beautiful. If you already have that one, you can pre-order Shade, a tale of two presidents, his next book of photographs. It takes Sousa's Instagram into hardcover, framing inspiring photographs from the Obama White House with tweets and quotes from Obama's successor. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing.
0: Elevated.